Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you served in the Vietnam, Gulf War, or post-9-11 eras, you may be eligible for expanded VA benefits. A new law known as the PACT Act provides disability compensation, health care, free toxic exposure screenings, and more to veterans who are exposed to toxins during their military service. You can submit a claim for your PACT Act-related benefits now. Claims received by August 10, 2023 may be paid back to August 10, 2022. Visit va.gov/pact to learn more and file your claim. Welcome back to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L. J. LaFura. And alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how are you doing? Good. Of course, you're, like I'll just said, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content seven days a week. We keep on rolling with the MLB season. Still have not missed a day yet. We don't plan on it anytime soon. So, uh, No, we would both have to keel over and die on the same day for us to lose that and by the time that happens i have a feeling that we're going to have someone else working with us or for us that could hopefully pick up the slack so yeah this show will never end there's certainly going to be days this summer where one of us will not be here and that could be a bit more often than uh you think but for the meantime we're I mean, definitely going to have to do a little load management. If we, if this is a basketball podcast, we'd be doing a little load management during the middle of the year. But Brandon, I'll tell you, the only thing I can think of stopping us from doing a show, day of mourning for Rob Manfred's death. Whenever that comes, I think that's yeah. the only day we will not do it. Our, our show must live on to the, to the point where we can do that. Well, we had quite a great group of games today. Not a full slate. It is Monday, so it's a travel day. But uh, 
believe I'm not sure exactly how many games it was 10 something like that and uh let's get into it uh starting with the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks the big story in this one Albert Pujols makes his debut for the Dodgers he was hitting cleanup tonight and playing first base as they faced a lefty in Madison Bumgarner Will Smith opened up the scoring with a home run in the second inning for the Dodgers to give them a 1-0 lead. In the bottom of the third, after flying out in his first at-bat, Albert Pujols comes through with an RBI single off of Madison Bumgarner to make it 2-0 Dodgers. The D-backs get a run in the eighth, but L.A. pulls away. They win 3-1. The win to Walker Bueller, who was sensational in this one. He's now 2-0 on the year, and he goes seven innings, allowing one hit, no runs, and seven Ks. Madison Bumgarner takes the loss, uh, now 4-3 and three on the year. Four innings, two hits, two runs, and five Ks. Kenley Jansen gets his eighth save on the year, and it will be Julio Urias facing TBD today. Uh, LJ, just your quick thoughts on Albert Pujols making his debut hitting cleanup for the Dodgers tonight. Yeah, I mean, Brandon – they're going to find inventive ways to see him in this lineup. I mean, we've talked about that at nauseum. And I genuinely think that Pujols is a smart enough hitter, a motivated enough hitter, that he's going to be able to come through when this team needs him in regards to that. But a quick um, little note on Julio Urias. Uh, of course, this kind of counts as a pre-PPP guy here. Have you ever have you taken a chance to look at what he's done against the American League this year? Julio Urias? Yeah. I have not. He's got three first off, he's the only pitcher in the league currently with or in the National League with three starts against American League teams. Mm. He's gone 19 innings in wow. three starts. Two and one in three starts, 19 innings, a 2.84 ERA. Um, yeah, so like that's just nasty, nasty numbers. Yeah, I mean, I, let's see. I know he made a start against Seattle. Uh, who are those other two teams that the Dodgers have played in the American League? Do you have that? I don't know off the top of my head. Mm. Okay, I was going to say, I know he had a really, really good start in Seattle, but that's uh, not the point you were making. But uh, yeah. Good yeah, I mean, just, I mean that, that's, that's three really good starts there to be able to only give up, only go to two innings off. You're going eight innings in the other two starts or in. Yeah, you had to do that. You'd have to do what? Yeah, less than an inning off each start, which is just nuts. And it's nuts to have that in that kind of odd sample size, you know, like you're not going to be, it's not like it's a regular thing where like, you might just have a hot couple of days. You're not going to be seeing AL AL bats more than like once every like seventh start. So it's just kind of what, what weird that he has that running right now. Yeah. Uh, so I just I was able to look it up. So he's pitched against Seattle twice. Uh, that would do and it. Then <laughs> the Angels once. Uh, so those were the three times that he's faced AL AL teams this year on to the Rockies and the Padres San Diego they jumped out early with three runs in the first two on a Manny Machado bomb 
The Padres' offense would be hot all day. They collect 11 hits and shut out the Rockies, winning 7-0. Give the win to Hugh Darvish, his fourth win on the year, now 4-1. Seven innings, four hits, no earned, and 10 Ks. Uh, no runs, I should say. No, Of course, no earned, but really nice start for Hugh Darvish in this one. The loss to John Gray of the Rockies, now 4-4 four and four on the year. He goes 5-2 and two thirds, 10 hits, 5 earned runs. San Diego's won four in a row. Austin Gomber takes on Blake Snell today. All right, next we got the White Sox and the Twins. Chicago scattered 16 runs throughout the game, including four runs in the sixth inning. En route to this, Danny Mendick, Yerman Mercedes, and Nick Madrigal homered. Josh Donaldson also had a home run for Minnesota, and your final will be 16-4 to White Sox. Give the win to Dallas Keuchel. He went seven innings, allowing three earned runs and six strikeouts. The loss will be given to Hap Foot and Mouth, who went three and two-thirds of an inning, allowing six earned runs. Today will be Lance Lynn versus Michael Pineda. Brandon, you got to think, I mean, I'm not trying to overly read into this and haven't really actually looked at his stats this year, but Dallas Keuchel has really just kind of been swept under the rug over the past couple of years. Of course, all right. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. Maybe, maybe partially deserved connection now that I look at it. No, I mean. Oh, his 2020 season was arguably the best season of his entire career. And that, and I'm saying that knowing that he won a Cy Young. I mean, his ERA in 2020 was, was lower than any other season he's ever had. Yeah, I just, I, I look at it and I'm, I'm thinking 2017, he comes into that year where he was kind of had to be the guy for that team that was like, you could tell was world series bound, but didn't have that final, that eight, that true, like mm. dominant guy to carry in. You were kind of worried about that going up until the end of August when of course they go and get Justin Verlander after that, they go get Cole. And then next thing you know, he's kind of the odd man out for that team 2018 in 2018 where he makes 34 starts, but like no one's talking about him. Uh, sub sub four ERA, so he's certainly a very quality pitcher in that timeline. So it was just, it was a shame. And then of course he had all of the issues where he uh, couldn't get a contract, had to wait till Oakland or till, till Atlanta, I'm sorry, um, till Atlanta signed him mid-season. It was like June or whatever when he got signed. And then from there, he had a very slow start. Him and uh, Craig Kimbrell, who also did the same thing that year, holding out, um, they both started off incredibly slow. Craig Kimbrell, of course, kind of, you know, kept his overall, um, the prestige of the name kind of held him up through all of that. But I feel like everyone just kind of, treats him treated him like an af more of an afterthought than he was before after he didn't have immediate success in Atlanta yeah uh totally agree I kind of forgot that he did have that contract hold out him and Craig Kimbrell and mm. you know really interesting to see that after they did hold out they didn't they did not play well I mean it would only make sense you know you're not going through a full spring training you're not going no. through everything that you normally are so yeah that makes well, sense we see it here this season, even. I mean, I think it certainly hasn't been like severe adverse effects. However, you can't tell me that the the players that sat out last season are playing better or 
for mo- many of them as good as they did before they set it out. Yeah, I think the best example is a guy like like Buster Posey. I mean, he's been killing it, killing yeah. it, and he didn't even play last year. Yeah, I mean, even then, but that's that I think is an exception. But mm-hmm. like overall, it's like you're not getting the same workout at home, even if you do fully commit yourself. You're not getting the same treatment as you are getting reps. Again, older guys, it works much better for um, David Price probably added a couple years to his career with the way he was going ever since his uh, Fortnite carpal tunnel injury a couple years back. Um, things He certainly having that rest year helped him, but I can't imagine some of these younger guys, particularly, especially now we think Yasiel Puig, he's got to come back to the majors at some point. He was too good at that time that he left to not get another chance somewhere down the line. I can't imagine he's going to be nearly as effective now having taken more than a year off before finally going to um, one, a team in Mexico. I can't remember where um, to play this year. He's not going to be nearly as effective as he could have been if he had, he played somewhere after getting COVID. Yeah. Puig is an interesting situation because that's a guy who, you know, is with the Reds and then uh, was on the Indians for a little stint there. And, you know, his production has sort of fallen off uh, these last few years. I mean, 2019 was good, but uh, over the course of the offseason heading into the 2021 season, there's a sexual assault allegation brought up against him. And that, I think, deterred a lot of front offices from possibly going after him so yeah I mean it, ma- it makes sense too especially coming af- off of a season where he sat out you mean you really you want you want to see those things cleared up it's not the fact that yeah. they're like necessarily passing the blame however if you're going to sign a guy that you're not 100% sure on play wise and chemistry wise particularly more so chemistry with Puig um, you want to see any of those off the field stuff kind of sorted it out and let the justice system take care of that before you take too deep a dive into the guy to make too big an investment. But if we have time over this off season, that would be a fun, just like story. Just tell the entire Puig story because it's certainly been one of the wonkier ones of our memory. You've got him coming up and absolutely raking with the Dodgers becomes such a distraction at the major league level that they sent sent him down to like double or triple a as punishment and he started raking and he was not only was he raking but he was partying with the guys down there and uh stuff it was just such he's such a bizarre player and of course had such a big impact on those red those reds teams both when he was there and after he was there yeah absolutely uh that would be cool to tell his story at some point during the offseason. I'm sure we'll have time. I mean, what else are we doing, really? <laughs> but under the Giants and the Reds, top four, Wilmer Flores home run to make it 3-0 San Fran. Mike Yastrzemski and Mauricio Dubon with home runs of their own to extend the Giants' lead. Mikey, yeah. I'm sorry? Mikey Yaz, baby. Yes, love Mikey Yaz. The, the, you know, 
I didn't realize he was like 30 until the other day, but oh, yeah. and it's only his second year in the league, but gotta love him. Oh yeah, no, you know, some of those guys are late bloomers. I mean, not every player you can you should you can and should get excited about guys that don't have a real legitimate chance to make the Hall of Fame as a young player. I mean, you can still get excited about Mikey Yaz and what he can bring to the table in a couple of years, even if his prime years are numbered to begin with. He can still be a fun, positive um, experience for a Giants fan. In the bottom of the eighth, Tyler Naquin and Eugenio Suarez, homer for Cincy, but it's not enough. The Giants win 6-3. You can give the win to Logan Webb, 3-3 three and three now on the year, six innings, six hits, no earned and four Ks. Another great start for a Giants starting pitcher. The loss to John Gray, or excuse me, Sonny Gray. And so two Grays taking losses today. Uh, 0-3 on the year now for Sonny. Five innings, five hits, three earned and three Ks. Tyler Rogers picks up his fifth save on the year for the Giants. And today's matchup will be Anthony DeSclafani and Luis Castillo, who, LJ, the Reds are winless in seven of Castillo's eight starts this season. That's just – I wish it was on the Yankees. Wouldn't that be fun? No, it, it would not. I, I, think, I, I think it would be very fun. I'm not sure why you're not as on board with this as I am. But honestly, I've got a question for fans of another division because I'm not sure if this is just a thing where like the big markets of the AL East overreact to things, but I feel like certain players for me, no matter how well they succeed, how much they succeed in other teams, in other markets, in other stages of their career, there's this stigma about failure in the AL East that just drives me away from guys. I mean, I think um, Sonny Gray, great example with his time at the Yankees. Oh, gosh, uh, don't get me started on Drew Pomerantz. I don't want to ever think about mm. the Drew Pomerantz Red Sox experience yeah. in the near future. But, like, guys like those, I just, like, I have this initial reaction of disgust hearing their names. And then I remember, of course, like, they've got, like, close to three – like, Sonny Gray's got, like, a three-something – ERA in his time in Cle- in uh, Cleveland, Cincinnati. Um, he's been fantastic there. Uh, Drew Pomeranz was one of the best closers in the league last season. It's like, it, it's things I shouldn't be holding on to, but I just cannot help myself. Yeah, I think another really interesting guy, LJ, this one's probably you're going to be thinking, how did you think of that guy? But what about when Yoena Cespedes got traded to the Red Sox in the middle of that one year? And... He like went from being a superstar with Oakland that year to hitting re- like hitting really good, and he just couldn't put it together on the Red Sox. And then I believe the next year he goes to the Tigers, and then gets traded to the Mets in the same year. So he played for four teams over like a two year span. But yeah, I remember him in the AL East and just for a short period of time. But people were really hard on him because he was not playing That's the way that. The Red Sox expected him to. Um, I'm not sure how to describe my 
experience with Ioannis Cespedes on the Red Sox because the vibe I got from that experience wasn't necessarily hate on Cespedes as much as it was I could care le- literally care less about Cespedes, which shouldn't be the reaction to one of the best hitters in the, in the game at that point in time um, coming over to your team. You should be pretty excited about that or at least have a reaction. But the reaction and the reception that Ioannis Cespedes got was far more a matter of um, hatred for the fact that John Lester was no longer a Red Sox than mm. anything else. Yeah, it, that, that deal was upsetting for a lot of people. Of course, really, he's been the only uh, starter they've developed all the way through in years. Comes up for that tw- that 2008 team, leads on that 2013 team, and then they just they they couldn't they couldn't pay him. I'm not sure where the money went. I can't find it. Maybe it goes over to England a few years later. Gee, I don't know. But um, yeah, they they couldn't pay him. They bring Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They trade him out, and it's just like, that was such a sour taste and a uh, sign of things to come, unfortunately that none of us wanted to see. Uh, okay. This is oh, the, I'm up. Hmm? Uh, you have the Indians yeah. and Angels. I got the Indians and the Angels. MLB Daily Trivia answer from yesterday. Cesar Hernandez homers to open scoring. However, that would not matter as o- Otani showed the way with his 13th home run of the season. Otani drove in three of the team's seven runs. The Angels pull this one out, seven to four. Give the win to Tony Watson. Patrick Sandoval went four innings, allowing two earned runs. The loss will be given to Stephen Hedges and the save to Rafael Iglesias, his seventh on the year. Next up, Zach Plezak versus Andrew Heaney. All right. Uh, next game is the... Mets and the Braves. We were scoreless until the top of the seventh. The Mets get two. James McCann RBI double and then a Kevin Pillar bases loaded hit by pitch to give the Mets a 2-0 lead. And the top of the eighth. All right. I, I looked up a pronunciation for this name and I think I think I got it. John Sweet Fargus. Uh in the, you know the way that they grade prospects is on a twenty to eighty scale. That's an eighty grade <laughs> name. I mean, it's it's an eighty grade name for sure. Uh, he doubles in his MLB debut to drive in a third run for the Mets. Yeah, that's so. It's spelled J O H N E S H Y or A S H W Y. Excuse me. So John Sweet Fargus. Hits a double in his MLB debut that drives in the third run for the Mets. Austin Riley would homer late 
but it's not enough. The Mets win 3-1. You can give the win to Sean Reed Foley, now 1-0 on the year. The start went to Taiwan Walker, who pitches three innings, uh, allowing no earned runs, but he leaves the game early, and the Mets' injuries have just been absolutely piling up uh, as of late. I mean, the amount, of in- the amount of guys that they have on their injured list right now is – it's insane. And we're going to talk about that later. We're going to do the, we're actually going to do the injury update today. Unless uh, I just like keep talking through the episode. I, I have a tendency to do that. I like to hear myself talk. I think that we can, uh, can Fine. move at a good pace, but the loss goes to Max Reed. Now one and two on the year, six innings, five hits, one run, eight Ks. Edwin Diaz gets his sixth, sixth save on the year. And it will be Tucker, Davidson, who got called up from AAA, as the Braves now have an open spot in their rotation. We'll talk about that on the injury report as well. Tucker Davidson called up from AAA. will take on TBD today. Dude, that guy's been an absolute workhorse. I mean, how many days rest is he on? Like one? Zero, because he had to pitch today for a couple of days. Oh, that's right. He pitched today. Jeez. Now he's he pitching two games, games today. <laughs> he is pitching two games tomorrow. Yeah. Or today, um, I have to, I have to wonder. I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of this game. I only caught the uh, eighth and ninth inning. But uh, do you think Fargus was? I'm not sure how far that ball went for the double. But do you think if it had gone a little farther, he could have gotten to third base? I mean, was he just shui of a triple? <laughs> that is, yeah. This guy's name is is awesome. Gotta love it. All right. Tigers Mariners, Eric Haas and Jonathan Scope both went yard in the second inning, and Haas went on to Homer again in the ninth, keeping the Tigers up, and the Tigers defeat the Mariners four to one. Give the win to Casey Mize. He went seven and two-thirds of an inning, allowing one earned run and seven strikeouts. The loss will go to Yusei Kikuchi, who went six innings, allowing three earned runs and eight strikeouts. The save will be Michael Fulmer's today, his third on the year. Today is Spencer Turnbull against Justin Dunn. Brandon, how much more could we say about the turnaround Michael Fulmer's had? It's awesome. I mean, the fact that the Tigers this year, you know, they they see that they're not going to be winning a lot of games. I mean, they know that they don't have a very competitive roster. I mean, I'm still struggling to figure out who their all-star is going to be, uh, especially after Akil Badu kind of fell off the face. Yeah, he, of the earth. he hasn't really been Badooing it lately. No, he has not been Badooing it lately. But, yeah, Michael Fulmer, you know, comes in, steals the Rookie of the Year award away from – uh, who was that? Was that a uh, Gary Sanchez? Uh, and then just kind of downhill from there. But I, I you know, I actually, th- I think he made the oh, game 2017, but then downhill from there. And he's kind of reinventing himself out of the bullpen here. So I, was, I would say he had one like bad, bad year. Oh. Also, also, I mean, I think there is legitimate debate of whose career is, uh, on a greater trajectory at this point between Michael no. Fulmer and Gary Sanchez oh, right man. now. But Brandon, all right. The first is I'm not sure what I'm assuming it was Tommy John. I'm literally just pulling that out of my butt right now, but um, missed the 2019 season. 
which pr- frankly probably had a lot to do with the 8.78 ERA he posted, f- uh, 53 ERA plus. But Brandon, 2018, if you take that year out, 2018 is his next lowest year, that 4.69 ERA and a 96 ERA plus. Those aren't good, but they're also not like bad. And I could say the same thing about Gary Sanchez. I mean, yeah, that's fucking Gary. Gary Sanchez. No, I mean, look. Here's the thing about Gary. Since 2019, LJ, he's sporting a 105 OPS plus. He's been above average since 2019. I mean, yeah, but Brandon, the difference is Michael Fulmer doesn't look like a turtle when he walks up to the plate and doesn't have the same attitude as one as well. Yeah, oh yes, that's right. You, because because looks affect your stats. Got it. Well, I mean they do. I mean to be fair with Gary, they do. I mean, I, we've talked about this plenty of times. The fact that he probably has needed an attitude adjustment for more than a hot minute in the majors, and I think the turtle the turtle batting stance is um, pretty indicative of the attitude he brings towards that team. Well, let's get on to the to the Yankee game. Uh, the Yankees traveled to Texas to take on the Rangers. In the top of the first, Gio Urshela singles. That would drive home a run, 1-0 Yankees early. Garrett Cole would work a good first inning, but then bottom two, the Rangers jumped on him. Adalas Garcia would hit his 11th home run of the year. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa would double and Jose Trevino would single to make it 3-1 Rangers. Bottom five, Willie Calhoun extends the lead for Texas with a home run. Luke Voigt would hit his first home run of the year late, but the Yankees lose 5-2. Give the win to Jordan Lyles. Now 2-3 and three on the year, six innings, six hits, one run, and six Ks. The loss to Garrett Cole, now 5-2 and two on the year. Uh, by far his worst start of the year, five innings, seven hits, five runs, and seven Ks. He did break that strikeout to walk record or most, most strikeouts without a walk. He extended his previous record uh, within this game. LJ, he did not walk the leadoff batter. But, uh, yeah, uh-huh. rough start for, for Garrett Cole tonight. You know, this happens. I mean, you can't expect every pitcher to go out there and throw a gem. This hurts. A lot of damage control here, Brandon. No, this just hurts, though, because this is a game where the Rangers are coming in having lost six in a row, the Yankees with the best record in the league over the last 15 games, and just, you know, it was bound to happen that uh, there would be one bad start in there. I mean, really, I can't find a season by a pitcher where he didn't have one bad start. I mean, like, maybe some of the Jacob DeGrom seasons, but... No, Jacob DeGrom's famous for having, like, one or two blow-up starts in years and still having, like, a 1.5 ERA. So, like, that's kind of his thing. So, there's definitely those. I mean, maybe if you look at the uh, 99-2000 Pedro years. Yeah. It's probably area, but I have no, again, no statistical backing for this. A lot of the things I say, I just make up and go with as I go along. That gets me into some pretty t- tough spots defending stuff, though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but, you um, know, but if you have the confidence, you know, you can kind of work your way out. Brandon, Brandon I'm, like, the, the most confident man on the planet. 
And to make it even better, I genuinely love to hear myself talk. So I can, I can do this all day. I'm like Captain America. I can do this all day. But Brandon, I was um, playing around on the Google machine earlier. And I started to wonder, who on earth could Garrett Cole's father be? And for some reason, it came up as the Texas Rangers. That seems a little odd, don't you think? I mean, it's definitely true, but like odd. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Ian Kennedy gets his <laughs> he gets his eleventh save on the year. Jamison Tyone will face Mike Fultonavich today, and then the nope. last game. No Matt, cap. I didn't realize you weren't done with the recap. <laughs> I guess I didn't either until I saw. Oh, Ian Kennedy got another save. <laughs> but <laughs> the Nationals and the Cubs. The Cubs jumped out to a three-zero lead after a Jason Hayward home run, bottom two. Trey Turner and Kyle Schwarber homer for the Nats, but Wilson Contreras adds his own for Chicago, leading four to three. Oh yeah, by the way, this was Kyle Schwarber's first game back at Wrigley, oh. leaving the Cubs. Yes, LJ. Um, uh, for all of those who don't, cannot see the two of us, I raised my hand because I just I, I miss being back in school. Yeah. I miss I, I miss high school. I miss middle school. Spot Catholic is fun times. I'm going to their game tomorrow. Um, I will be at the games when I come back. So I'm not sure if you saw this, what Anthony Rizzo was wearing on the way in. No. What was he it? Was, he was wearing the jersey of probably the most important Chicago Cubs player over the past, uh, this century. Ernie Banks. John Lester. Or oh, this decade. John he, wore, he wore his a John Lester Cubs jersey into the John Lester start just so cold it's almost as cold as the disrespect the Cubs showed him yeah so I mean John John Lester and Kyle Schwarber both making their returns to Wrigley Field but that Wilson Contreras home run gave Chicago a 4-3 lead Javi Baez gets in on the party with a homer of his own the Cubs get a few more RBI hits from Eric Sogard and Jason Hayward they win 7-3. You can give that win to Adbert Alzale, now 2-3 and three on the year. He goes five innings, allowing five hits, three runs, and three Ks. John Lester takes the loss. That's his old club, now 0-2. Five and a third, eight hits, five runs, and four strikeouts. Today, Patrick Corbin toes the slab with Zach Davies. All right, next up, we got the PPP particular players people may care about brandon the first one i put in i'm sure you're going to put it in but i just wanted to get a little more of a deep dive to your reaction uh to this garrett cole now holds the record at 61 consecutive strikeouts without a walk that's at any time during like seasons uh so far to keep to update you guys it was or update anyone who cares um Going into the season, it was 57 consecutive strikeouts by Kurt Schilling back in, oh, what was that, 2002, maybe, 02? It was 02 or 03. Yeah, um, early 2000s. And then it was broken by Curb- Corbin Burns about a week ago to go to 58. And then Garrett Cole was sitting at 57 coming into today's game. He breaks it with 61. Brandon, what are your feelings? I mean, this is a record that 
I'm surprised we saw two guys, you know, get so close or not, not get so close, but actually be able to break it because this is a game now that is so much more about, you know, not only the strikeouts, but walks too. I mean, we see a lot of walks now, a lot of these pitchers throw so hard. They don't really have as much control. I believe I saw a stat the other day saying that the hit by pitch rate is like the highest it's been in like a half century or something crazy that it's just because you have all these young pitchers who throw so hard and they just don't really have a lot of accuracy on their pitches. But I think that both, what both Corbin Burns and Garrett Cole did is mightily impressive, especially Corbin Burns who did his to start a season. Right? I mean, like a Garrett Cole, he didn't, I mean, this was, you know, after his first start, because it was his last every start since his first start. Um, but for, for Corbin Burns to do it to start a year is mightily impressive. And I think it's a really cool uh, record. I honestly didn't know that. I, I would have never guessed that it was that high at, at a 57 strikeouts. I mean, just thinking about what would you say it is now 59 by Cole? It's 61. 61 by Cole. Like, <laughs> Striking out 61 batters without walking one is is just crazy to think about to have that approach with every single batter, you know, the like I'm not scared about walking him because I'm so confident in my control and my stuff like that's just crazy. But the thing is, that's not how it was. And Garrett Cole even admitted to that before the game. Really? Well, first off, the thing you didn't mention, of course, two guys are throwing a lot harder, which decreases control. But there's so much more spin and movement on the breaking balls these days. Yeah. That the major that a lot more breaking balls than there used to be are finishing outside the zone. Like they're being thrown fully to try to get trick the guy into swinging at it. So you therefore, by extension, you'd think that a higher percentage of them would end up being balls, but they haven't in this scenario. Also, I remember I heard on the Yankees broadcast tonight, they were talking about how Garrett Cole said, yeah, frankly, I'm surprised that I've gotten here because, I mean, there's guys I pitch around. Like, I mean, he, uh, first off, yeah, I will start with saying, I think it's absolutely smart. I mean, you know, you're here to win the game, not to like win every, every little bat. You're here to win the war, not every single battle. So it's okay to lose a few every now and then, and it, having guys expect that, accept that is rather in, is very intelligent. However, you don't hear that talk, you especially you especially don't hear guys admitting to the fact that they're working around a batter in the '80s. You don't hear about that in the '90s. Any stories about guys who are openly doing that? No, the majority of them are like, "I want to beat you." I'm going to beat you with my best stuff. So you would have thought that by that extension, there should be a lot, A, it should be higher if guys are breaking it now. You'd think it would be higher for them, but you should think that there's no real chance for people to get up to this point in this day and age where you're kind of avoiding those Aaron Judges, you're avoiding those Ronald Acuna's, you're avoiding Mike Trout if he doesn't have anything around him that's really going to hurt you. I mean, there's so many, you're able to intelligently pick and choose so often who you'd rather pitch to. 
that you'd think that there would be more more walks than there have been. Yeah, you know, I think that walks are also a lot based on. So of course, like if you're gonna pitch around someone, like you said, you have to make a very smart choice. You know, like is it smart to pitch around a guy here? Because now in a game where we see so many runs scored by the home run, you know, you would hate to have an extra guy on base when you do, because, you know, it's not if, when, you know, it's, it's when are you going to give up these home runs now? So Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. You know, it's interesting because you look at a guy like Aaron Judge, like you mentioned, it's like, you know, do we really want to pitch around him? Especially when, at least in weeks past, he's had Giancarlo Stanton hitting either right in front of him or right behind him. Now he has Luke Voigt hitting behind him. So it's like, do you want to walk him to have to face one of those guys? And the fact that that Cole hasn't really, I mean, he's faced good lineups too. We can't even say that he hasn't Mm. faced good competition. So yeah, the fact that he says that he's actively pitching around players and is somehow still not walking them is impressive. As for the uh, off-speed pitches that end up out of the zone, yes, I do think a lot more off-speed pitches do end up out of the zone, but I just think that they're so nasty now. That's why guys are swinging at them. Like These, these pitches are so good that it looks like it's going to be a strike for so long and then just has such violent break in the last 20 feet. Exactly. Like you can see, like playing percentages, we shouldn't see nearly as many guys come up into this area of like 50 some odd strikeouts before a walk. We're not going to see that very often. I think we're probably going to see it less and less as time goes on now. I mean, this has just been a fluky couple months with these two and Burns and Cole because the way the game is going with both the choice of pitches and the way the pitches move, you're going to have that fluky guy who doesn't swing in times that he should swing. The one, the one guy that really gets it right for like one at bat and is just like all on it and draws that walk. I mean, you're going to get that at some point. So the odds of get more people ever getting to 50 in the next like 10 years seem rather low to me. All right, uh, my next guy is Yerman Mercedes. I mean, look, since the start of the year, we've been talking about him, you know, for the last uh, few weeks, not as much, but he's still raking. Today, he was three for six. Uh, I have it pulled up here. How many RBIs did he have? Three for six with three RBIs. 
His his batting average is at 364. His OPS at 984. So he's hovering around that one dot territory, which in my opinion puts you in the elite category of hitters. And for a rookie, this guy has been so impressive. The one stat that I, I find really interesting on him uh, is that he for chase rate, he's in the first percentile. So he is just absolutely stepping up to the plate and swinging at everything. And, you know, it's an interesting approach for a guy like him, but he makes contact so often. I mean, his his whiff percentage is in the 78th percentile. So this is a guy who is swinging a lot and is chasing a lot of pitches, but is also not swinging and missing that much. So really fun hitter to watch and he hits the ball hard. So, uh, you know, I hope that he's able to, you know, he's another one of these old, old rookies, 28 years old, but uh, yeah, just such a fun hitter to watch and hopefully can pull out an AL Rookie of the Year uh, award because that would be really cool to see him win it. Yeah, hopefully he's pull out game strong with this award. My next one is uh, Casey Mize, who I really think I'm, I'm starting to get excited because May has been a huge month for this guy with um, in regard to like actually looking like the top prospect that he's supposed to have been all of this time. I mean, his numbers really don't look like it. He had, he got roughed up in the middle of the month of April, pretty bad. But then you look at what he's done since then. It's now four straight with today's line. Uh, what did I say that line was? Um, seven and two thirds of an inning, one earned seven strikeouts. Definitely the best, um, it, he's definitely the definitely the best start of the year, possibly his career. Almost going eight innings there looks looked fantastic. But you look at it; this is now four straight quality starts. Um, did he get the loss here? Mize. Yeah, I'm going crazy right now. No, the other one. Okay, yeah, yeah. three and one, three and one in that span. I mean, in one of those, it was a complete game because of a. Uh, double hat seven inning double header so this guy is pitching he's on top of the world right now just where you want to see him I mean I'm not so I'm not surprised that he eventually got there I'm just glad to see he's there now all right my last guy is Williams Astadio uh not for his hitting tonight uh he was 0 for 3 but he made his second pitching appearance this year, the third in his career. I believe the only position player to pitch twice this year so far. And LJ, he got the honor of actually uh, catching for the majority of this game and then switches to pitcher. I mean, the I think my favorite part of this whole thing is that in order to let him pitch – the twins lost their DH. Like they, they subbed Nelson Cruz out of the game to put another catcher in there so they can mm-hmm. have a position player pitch while down 12 runs. It seems a bit extreme to me. I mean, but. Well, to be fair, if you're down 12 runs 
no, I mean, Nelson Cruz, Nelson Cruz can do whatever he wants with a baseball bat, but um, he's not going to be able to make up for 12 runs, especially if he's not going to get up the next inning. So you're better off saving your bullpen with this. But my question here is who called that it, that um, outing was yeah. Williams Ostadio calling his own outing or was it whoever their other catcher is? That's what I'd like to know. They three separate catchers play for the twins tonight. Mitch, Mitch Garver gets the start. He only gets one at bat and then he exits. So they bring Astadio in for three at bats. Then when they're getting blown out, they say, all right, we're going to move Astadio to pitcher and we're going to bring in, I believe, yeah, Ben Rortved, who <laughs> is a young catcher in their system who just came up. And he pinch hits for, for Nelson Cruz in the DH spot, and then they lose their DH so they can have Astadio hit. But, yeah. Uh, um, I just yeah. – I've got to be honest here. I would love to see, like, this just go completely wrong, where, like, they decide, okay, we're not going to have the pitcher call the game. We're going to have the other catcher call it. But, like, the catcher being just such a perfectionist towards his own work that he's been doing all game – just gets furious with the game that the other catcher's calling. They use like all five mound, mound visits in a single inning just to argue back and forth with each other. I, 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 can, I can see a world where that comes, and I am 100% ready for that. Uh, so we have a, a few things that we're going to do here. We're going to do the leaderboards real quick, and then we're just going to run through a list of guys who are injured, some pr- pretty notable names. We're not going to go too deep into how it impacts their teams. Obviously, these guys being out uh, will hurt their team's success in the time being, but we'll just let you know what their injuries are and when they should be back. Then, of course, we have our MLB Daily Hall of Fame. Our pick that we're going to be doing today is for the Miami Marlins. So Should have been last week. Should have been last week, but we changed it to the Baltimore Orioles last second. Uh, mid-show, actually. So Yep. <laughs> But, sentence. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's do these these uh, leaderboards. So, war for hitters. Uh, this actually changed quite a bit since yesterday. So, uh, Byron Buxton and Mike Trout still lead at two point five. Now tied for second is Xander Bogarts and Vladdy Jr. at two point three, and then Trey Turner in third at two point one. Uh, Ronald Lacuna, who had been up there for weeks now he falls down to 2.0 with war so uh he will be oh yeah so i mean of course byron bucks and mike trout still still uh leading the way war for pitchers it's a garrett cole still with 2.6 he falls from where he was at 2.8 yesterday after his bad start today jacob Degrom at 2.3 corbin burns at 2.0 Shohei Otani hit his league-leading 13th home run today. He is now in sole possession of first on the home run list. Whit Merrifield has 12 stolen bases. Uh, as for runs scored, it's a three-way tie between Ronald Acuna, Bo Bichette, and J.D. Martinez. Uh, the most strikeouts that a hitter has is Joey Gallo with 60. And the most strikeouts a pitcher has is Shane Bieber with 92. All right, LJ, uh, what do you say that we just run through this list of injuries? Me and you can go every other, and we'll just uh, say real quick, you know, what their injury is and when their expected return is. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, you can take that first guy. Oh, I'm taking the first guy. I was prepping for the second guy. Oh, I remember actually what Zach Gallon's issue is. Uh, Zach Gallon was placed on the 10-day injured list with a strained right elbow. He's expected back by the end of May, around May 22nd. However, this is still a pretty significant uh, blow to a Diamondbacks team that kind of wants to have some momentum. They were expect they weren't expected to be like a bottom feeder to this to the league this year. But of course, you got guys like Cattell Marte and Zach Gallen, who are major pieces to this team, Zach Gallen being their best pitcher. Um, having those guys go down, you're not going to be able to get any momentum to kind of carry a few runs here or there to keep you semi-relevant for at least a little while. That's not going to get you trending in the right direction, and he will be sorely missed. All right. For the Chicago White Sox, we have Luis Robert, uh, who actually got hurt a couple weeks ago, but we kind of glossed over it. And for one of the best young players in the game, uh, you know, that's our bad for not talking about this, but he he has a torn right hip flexor, will be out for three to four months. If you remember Eloy Jimenez, another young outfield star for the White Sox, he uh, had a left pectoral tendon issue in spring training trying to rob a home run and he was out uh presumably for about the whole season and now with Robert out uh another huge loss for that uh, White Sox lineup uh but he will be out three to four months it's considered a grade three strain of his right hip flexor right now his expected return is August 9th all right. Well, Joey Votto, unfortunately, fractured or broke, um, fractured his left thumb getting hit by a pitch a week or so ago. Uh, David Bell, their, the Reds manager, said that it's not expected to need surgery, but he will miss about to at least a month of playing time. So we won't see him until early June again. Uh, as for Cody Bellinger, this was a guy who got hurt in the first week of games. Uh, it was a hairline fracture in his left shin. Uh, it is. Uh, he spoke to the media a few days ago, and he said that he's optimistic that he will return next weekend from a hairline leg fracture. Next weekend, meaning this weekend. So, uh, yeah, expected return May 21st. That is Friday. So, could be a big bat back for the Dodgers. Yeah, we also have A.J. Pollock going on the 10-day IL for the Dodgers. He was placed there with a left hamstring strain. Brandon, muscle injuries, again, I know bones are bones. Are bones. They're not, that's not good. However, muscles are always the most difficult thing. It's so difficult to diagnose these things in terms of timetables because they really go at their own speed. So, I mean, Brandon's... Um, had to see this plenty of times with all of the big guys on the Yankees where they have strains, pulls, whatever sprains, whatever you want to call it at this given moment. And it, it ranges from anywhere from a week and a half to like two months depend all for them to be a hundred percent. It just, it's so dependent on how well different things line up for these types of injuries that it's really frustrating for teams and for players to figure out what their situation is. 
I'll take the next two here uh, real quick. So the first guy, Christian Yelich, uh, he started a rehab assignment um, on Friday. Uh, of course, he has that injury on May 4th, which was a lower back strain. Uh, so he started the rehab assignment last Friday. He should be back for the games this weekend. And then as for Byron Buxton of the Minnesota Twins, of course, he's been one of the best players in the league so far this year. Uh, he goes down with a strained right hip. Uh, that's considered a great grade two strain of his hip. And he is expected to miss several weeks. His expected return is June 5th. All right, next up, we've got a trio of Mets that you really don't want to see go down. Um, first one here, of course, you've got uh, Michael Conforto as well as Jeff McNeil, uh, two Mets outfielders who both pretty much went down in the same game with roughly the same injury. Uh, first, you had, you had Conforto with a right hamstring strain and McNeil with a left hamstring strain. Brandon, if I'm correct, they were both basically because they landed on first base wrong, right? Yeah, just like running <sighs> hard and just making a misstep. That's so frustrating for anyone because, I mean, they certainly didn't feel like they were doing anything wrong. They were just playing the game as they normally do, and then that just happens. But then you have Kevin uh, Kevin Pillar, another member of this Mets outfield, who went down today in a scary, scary moment where he was hit by a pitch. Uh, blood was shed. He was hit, I'm sorry, fastball right to the face. Blood was shed. So hope, hopefully we have not gotten any reports on his current status, but that is certainly not something that looks very good. All prayers are out for a safe and healthy recovery for Pilar. All right. Uh, the Yankees injury issues are back. Not a surprise. Aaron Hicks uh, has a torn tendon in his left wrist. Uh, he will go on the IL. It is considered a torn tendon sheath. Mark Teixeira had the same injury in each wrist, actually. And he said that it can be anywhere between a week to the entire season if you get the surgery. It's all dependent on your pain tolerance to it on just how bad the injury is. As a Yankees fan, and you know, from what I've heard, it's looking like it's gonna be a long time with Hicks. We just have to see if he's gonna get the sur if he's gonna get surgery or not. And then the next guy is Giancarlo Stanton, who strained his left quad. Uh, he's, his expected return is May 25th. He'll be put on the 10-day IL. But, yeah, Hicks is just scary situation where the Yankees trade away the outfield depth that they had in Mike Talkman, and now they could really use an outfielder. Uh, yeah, again, I don't have a medical degree like Dr. Karam over here. But first off, having anything happen with the sheath, the tendon sheath, just doesn't sound like a good sign for your overall ability to function currently. Like I imagine it is a painful thing to have to deal with from even just a day-to-day -day, daily basis, like doing daily activities. And with those types of things, not only is it you're right, but I'd imagine even if he gets the surgery, there's a decent chance that he uh, struggles 
to or doesn't I'm sorry not if he gets the surgery if he doesn't get the surgery there's a chance that he still struggles to get back in the lineup just because so many things can kind of go weird with that stuff so many things can delay progress with injuries like this again this is very similar in a similar vein to the quad the uh calf all of those things that we always talk about in the legs it's a very, it feels like it's a, in a very similar vein to those things from a recovery standpoint lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details hi i'm maria and i'm mike and we're team, team ready, ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. All right, we got uh, Jesus Lazardo, who has been placed on the 10-day injured list after suffering a small re- small f- fracture in his throwing hand. That would be his left hand. Uh, looks like about a month right now is what we're projecting for Jesus Lazardo everywhere, but we will certainly have to wait and see if that is the case. Um, certainly not a good position for Oakland to be in, who is really trying to make an impact on this AL West right now. All right. Uh, Steven Strasburg, who he went down in the middle of April with some right shoulder inflammation. Uh, he threw 62 pitches in a simulated game today, uh, Tuesday, or actually last Tuesday, so a week ago today. And his expected return is May 21st. So Friday, so uh, he could be back for the games uh, this weekend. Oscar, you know, uh, <laughs> this is this is and how, why this just there's a lot of screwy injuries in baseball. Are we a year or two years or more removed from one of the Mets pitchers having to miss a start because he got his thumb stuck in his pants zipper well i can tell you that we're only just about a month removed from robbie ray falling down the stairs while holding his child and and uh hurting his shoulder and having to miss a couple of starts for for the blue jays also didn't somebody um oh yeah oh that's what it was oh my gosh what yeah I knew I heard about it somewhere back on the Jesus Lazardo thing. Um, completely forgot what it was about. Brandon, Jesus Lazardo uh, got this hairline fracture in his throwing hand. Did you realize how he did it? No, I, I did not. I'm very intrigued. He was playing video games and got frustrated, hit his hand down on the table or like forgot where he claims he claims forgot where the table was as he was like playing and was just like kind of you know freaking out just kind of 
uh, moving around a little bit and smashes his hand into the table and he got a hairline fracture down his like pinky side. Well, Hawaskar Inoa, he basically did the same thing, right? Yeah, but more warranted. Hawaskar Inoa uh, fractured his hand or broke his hand. I forget which it is now. Hold on. Um, broken right hand. Broken right hand from punching the dugout bench after his rough start in Milwaukee. I mean, that's like the ultimate rage quit. You literally just, I mean, um, Jesus Lazardo may have rage quit from whatever game he was doing as he smashes his hand on his table. Who Oscar Yanoa just rage quit from about a month or no, realistically like two months of playing with what he's done there. The way um, we, we, we use Vegas insider for their injury reports. They've got his expected return date as July 16th, 2021. He has rage quit himself from a month and a half of playing. That's sad. Yes, uh, absolutely. And the last guy that we're going to talk about is Mike Trout. He suffered a right calf strain tonight and got taken out of the ball game. He will undergo an MRI. Uh, still no prognosis, uh, no timetable, et cetera. Uh, for sure, we will, we will be keeping up with this one tomorrow. But um, LJ... Uh, I think it is time right here at the end of the show to do our Miami Marlins Hall of Fame pick. Uh, we already wrote down a couple of potential uh, nominees. Now, LJ, if I'm being right, it can be essentially any any member of the organization or anyone who has ties to the organization, correct? Yes, it's anybody that's like, all right, any any person working within the organization at this point in time, like player, management, staff. Um, if you're asking about Marlon's man, I don't really think he should probably count. Oh, that's tough. He was going to be my pick. <laughs> no, I'm I mean, he certainly can. However, Brandon, I do think one I brought up that we should at least debate on or at least consider. I'm probably thinking we should make them ineligible. However, I think we deserve they deserve the respect of at least giving a look to all of the innocent fish that died when Giancarlo Stanton cruelly destroyed their home a couple of years back. For those of you who remember, Giancarlo Stanton hit a uh, foul ball, which flew back into the, into the glass, which every single like engineer that designed the stadium swore that this glass was like indestructible like it wasn't going to break they weren't going to have this issue well he broke the glass he he broke the fish tank behind home plate in marlin stadium and we have no exact death toll on how many innocent fish lives were taken i don't feel like they should count even though they did work for the organization they were employees technically sort of but seeing they have been long deceased and are a part of the active team right now. They don't follow our criteria. So uh, for the guys that I am seriously considering, uh, we've talked a lot about Jesus Aguilar on our show. I mean, he is like a clear front runner pick to me. I would say Sixto Sanchez, you know, has a great name, but, and me and LJ certainly love his potential 
but him not having played any games this year certainly makes it tougher to pick him. And then a guy like Sandy Alcantara, who is great in his own right, is a fantastic pitcher. Once again, I don't think he really has the name name recognition or stats that Jesus Aguilar has this year. So he's like kind of a clear front runner. There's some other guys poking around in there like Jazz Chisholm, maybe. That's mostly in there for the name. Yeah. You know, uh, have a little jazz in there. You know, you could also go the the Derek Jeter route, of course. Uh, him being um, CEO. Yeah. I, I wrote that one down into our suggestions. However, I'm not sure that's the best route to go. And this isn't, again, this I say, feel like I say this every day. This isn't me trying to hit on the Yankees. However, I think with Derek Jeter, there's only so much of the team's success that he can be accounted for. And so I think, certainly I feel like what, at this point in time, less than manager, seeing he's not like in full control of all baseball ops. So I'm also worried that we're going to judge his entrance into this, not on what he's done with like this stage of his career, his executive. I feel like we're not going to judge on the executive as much as we're going to judge it on the player which I don't think is fair for the purposes of these. Yes. Yeah. See, I was going to uh, possibly bring up a Donnie baseball, you know, a Donnie yeah. being the manager, but, you know, I don't think that he has done enough as manager with the Marlins to, you know, obviously a great career, you know, as, as a Yankee fan, I love Don Mattingly, but it's just has not had a lot of success even though, you know, he does win a playoff series last year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it certainly is there, but if... Well, here's one for you. I, I, I feel bad. I cannot say her name. However, Kim, the oh, Kim. current... Kim. Yeah. I, I don't know how to pronounce that. It's... It's NG. NG. And I'm sorry. I don't know how that goes. I feel, I feel horrible, but I, if she makes it through, I will learn how to pronounce it. I will learn how to pronounce it regardless at some point another time, but I just did not think to do it before. Okay, it's pronounced like it's, it says pronounced and then it's A-N-G. So Kim Ang. Kim Ang. Kim Ang. Um, I think she has a decent case. I mean, we're talking for first female general manager, I believe in all of American sports. Yeah. Like, like major sports. Sport, you can't really find in- in, in American major sports, she is the uh, first female GM, and she isn't there just to be the woke leftist face of the organization in the leftmost part of Florida. Um, no, she is there entirely based on her merit. This is a woman who has worked incredibly high up in the league offices for years. She's been in She's been in some form of executive role within the league since I believe 1999. Since so, 1990, actually. Oh, 1990. Oh, wow. So that's 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 even more experience and worth to the league she's gotten. Frankly, this decision to give her a a full on position of power like this could not have come soon enough. Probably could have should have happened sooner. I feel bad that she her name really never got recognized in terms of people executives within the league before now. However, with that being said, 
I still think it's Jesus. Jesus Aguilar has become one of my favorite players. He's such a threat to just have a week where he just mashes every ball he sees. Not only that, he is hysterical. I mean, I genuinely think that somehow someone along the line cloned Nelson Cruz and named him Jesus Aguilar because they both have that very same um, power tendencies where they can just absolutely mash the ball. And they're both hilarious. I mean, these think of time and time again, uh, Jesus Aguilar stealing people's uh, sign cards out of their back pockets, uh, throwing the glove at the ball. Um, Which is like totally illegal. Like I'm pretty sure it's a three base panel, like a three base. Uh, what's even the word there that you can use? Three base award to the runner uh, if you throw your glove and it hits the ball. So that's just that's just jokes at that point. No, I mean, honestly, it's just he is so much fun. He is so funny. This is the guy who this is the same guy who did the whole looking into the camera thing back in Milwaukee. He is easily one of the funniest players in baseball right now. To me, it's not – I mean, it's him. It's uh, Nelson Cruz. It's a very it's a very short list I put Freddie at the very Freeman. top. Oh, or, at the, or I'm sorry, Anthony Rizzo and Freddie Freeman. For yeah. Um, it, it's a very small list I would put him in in terms of the upper echelon of baseball humor. I think he has everything that sells me on it. So that's where my allegiance lies. Yeah, uh, like I said, I think that Aguilar is my front runner. But, uh, you know, as for Kim Ang, I mean, LJ, that's a great point for you to bring up about her. I mean, she is in the job 100% based on, on merit. And she has had some very important jobs in front offices. Uh, so she was the assistant director of baseball operations with the White Sox in the 90s. Uh, then LJ gets a huge job is the assistant general manager for the Yankees between 1998 and 2001. Uh, so of course the Yankees win world series in 98, 99, 2000 and make it in 2001. So for the four years that she was assistant general manager, they make the world series all four of those years. Then she goes and takes the assistant GM job with the Dodgers for 10 years. So she's been in the big markets. She knows what it's like to run a team. Uh, and she knows what in she, she knows how the successful teams operate. So she's a hundred percent there based on merit and, um, have to give a lot of respect for her. Of course, she's the first female GM in the big four North American sports. And I believe she's also the first East Asian person to serve as a general manager of an MLB team. So uh, props to her for all of that. But in the end, I'm also going to have to stick with Jesus Aguilar. LJ made all the right points there. Really funny guy uh, is also just like his play style, I think fits like kind of what we like, which is he just rakes. I mean, he just hits homers. He doesn't really care if he strikes out a lot and he hasn't been striking out a lot this year. Uh, And he's just that big power hitting first baseman. Who's also like 
happens to be one of the funniest players in the league. So I I will not give it to somebody based on demographics. Kim Ang being in this conversation is not because she's a woman, not because no, she's an not East at Asian. All. It's because she has been one of the most prominent people in man and executive management in baseball to not have the full-blown title over the past 30 years. She has been incredibly influential. That's what's gotten her this far and hard work's gotten her this far. However, with that being said, she doesn't dance at first base. (laughs) No. She also doesn't run all partway to second base, trying to avoid a tag between home and first. You remember that play at all or no? Yes. Or he's just I, like desperately trying to avoid the tag from the first baseman and he runs like a third of the way to second base trying to get out of the way. LJ, I don't know if you saw the clip of a Vladdy Jr. the other day, but when his pitcher was on the mound. Oh, he was imitating it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imitating the way how he kind of crouches down. Like he's 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 a funny guy too. Of course, his, his father was a really funny player, uh, Vladdy Sr. So hopefully those genes are... Uh, passed down well I'm sure they are but um, yeah I think that that is going to wrap it up so we can officially make our pick as Jesus Aguilar for the Miami Marlins uh, LJ do we know who it is next week or we'll kind of figure it out um, we'll figure it out as we go I think honestly I tried to do the whole random thing it's a pain to try to look at schedule especially when we can just pick a random team from the board um, <laughs> if you want me to pick a random team right that- now we already did the Rangers. The Twins. The Twins. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, next I think we already know who we're picking, don't we? Yeah. I have a few in mind actually that could could be in contention. So I'm, I gonna, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna lie. I'm very much pulling for the same exact player I voted for today, but just like 12 years older. <laughs> yeah, he's certainly a front runner in my mind. Uh but That's going to do it for this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, Make sure that you're checking us out on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. Of course, every weekday we're doing the trivia competition. Uh, Hopefully, Bat Flip Podcast does not continue his absolute domination. I got another trivia question right today. So Game-breaking performance by the Bat Flip Podcast who of course was a guest on the show a couple weeks or is it two weeks ago now? Two weeks ago. Yeah. I have no clue which one of the boys is the one. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who I can't, I'm not sure who's answering these questions, but he's on an absolute tear so much so that Brandon, we might as well um, mention this now we're changing the rules to the competition to hopefully encourage more people to interact and get in on this because really it's not fair to people who miss out on it in the first 20 minutes however it's also not fair to like uh damien and matt to have to wait like wait it out to see if anyone's going to answer so the way we're going to be doing it now is whoever's first receives two points and anyone else who answers correctly in within the time between the question being posted usually sometime around 1230 or one o'clock in the afternoon Eastern. Uh, whoever answers between then and the next day when the next one's posted. So it's usually about 24 hours that we leave it up for. Whoever answers the question correctly will get a point as well. It doesn't matter how many people. 
Yeah, so make sure you're checking that out on our Twitter. Uh, that's at MLB Daily Pod. Make sure you're following uh, Belly Up Sports on Twitter for great sports content every day. That's at Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Podcast. And of course, LJ and I are on Twitter. He's at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiora. I'm at Brandon underscore Karam. All right, that's going to do it for episode 80 of the MLB Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.